We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at BetterHelp and Game Time, a twofer for the people. Hear about both of those friends in the middle of the podcast. For today, we have we're, – we're, we're throwing it back to how when, – when Nathan used to run, the, run these <laughs> things, when Nathan used to write the, the, the podcast – um, I did it this morning while Dan had 18 kids and uh, a wife and a car and many things going on. Um, so biggest news and notes coming from week nine, heading into week 10. We're going to go over them. And if we have some time, which we probably won't, uh, we'll do first half rise and followers. So if we don't get to those, we'll get to those next week. Dan, we don't have much time for pleasantries, but how are you? I'm, I'm good. We're, we're, you know, officially across the halfway mark, if there is such a thing anymore. Uh yeah, it's it's kind of fun to throw it back to the news and notes. So let's let's boogie. All right. So the biggest news in the fantasy and dynasty world, in my opinion, at this stage, is Kyler Murray. You know, we we, we heard all offseason the Cardinals are tanking. They're not going to rush Kyler back, and they certainly haven't rushed Kyler back. We're now you know going into week ten, but he's coming back. Kyler Murray is back. He's going to be the starter week. 10 for the Arizona Cardinals. What are your thoughts on this from a redraft perspective or a short-term perspective? And then also from the dynasty lens, my biggest question being, so the, we thought the Cardinals were going to be in the driver's seat to have the first two of the first picks with the Cardinals pick and the Texans pick. The Texans have actually been pretty good and we'll get that a little bit later in the show, but could Kyler play the Cardinals out of the Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes? I don't think he'll play them out of it. Obviously, this team will look a little bit different, but you got to remember, I mean, Josh Dobbs had, you know, 20 fantasy points a game as a Cardinal and, and then obviously shows up in Minnesota now this week. But he, it, Kyler instantly is going to be, just from a, a fantasy lens, generally speaking, is instantly in as like a high-end RB or high-end QB2, low-end QB1, just because it's still Kyler. He's still going to be able to run it, assuming he's 100%. I can't imagine he would have come back in this type of situation if he wasn't 100% and thinking the weapons around are good enough. He can he can improve his stock moving forward and potentially find a, a better place to call home in 2024. So I, I do think that the points are going to be there. He's going to be scoring 20-plus, I would say, on average. Uh, he's still going to have his big weeks, and then he'll have his the, you know 12-point stinkers just like everybody does. Uh, but I, I think that the weapons here are are sneaky 
good. You still have Hollywood Brown, who has been pretty darn good when on the field, just generally speaking, no matter what team it's been. And then kind of the emergence of Michael Wilson. Uh, the running game has been here and there, potentially strong. And then you bring in Kyler. That only helps the running game. But you also have kind of the emergence of Trey McBride. So some young players stepping up with very mediocre, if not bad, quarterback play. And now you get the guy that was supposed to be the guy. And if he is healthy and he is ready to go and into it, this offense could be kind of fun. Yeah, we often talk about with rushing quarterbacks to floor that, oh, you know, if you have 34 rushing, 30, 40 rushing yards a game, that's a very, you know, nice floor to insulate you. I think the, the attraction for Kyler Murray in 2023 is less so his floor because there still is, you know, we, we're unsure of how, how much he's going to be able to run on a, you know, quarter to quarter basis, game to game basis. I think his ceiling is the intriguing play here because if Kyler Murray plays to the, you know, statistical level that he has, you know, previous to this injury in his career, he has the ability to be a top five fantasy quarterback. And that in a redraft and in dynasty, that was at a much lower than top five quarterback price over the last six to 12 months. So definitely some very high upside with Murray. I think that if you're starting him in the short term, you are swallowing a bit of the, you know, higher risk pill, but I'm not overly shying away from starting him this week. No, and I think you probably should. And again, it might be it might be a slow one, but it's also possible that he shows up and, and does Kyler Murray things. Uh, I mean, he's every bit as startable as if Justin Fields were to be back. Every bit as startable as maybe not Tua, just because of that offense is is significantly different. Obviously, the playmakers there too, but you know, Deshaun Watson. We're starting Deshaun Watson every week. Dak Prescott is more than likely going to be your starting quarterback every single week. Uh, even Brock Purdy, you know, I, I know his, he's more of a high floor, no ceiling kind of guy and Kyler's all ceiling at this point. But I, I do still think that he has the floor because what we, what we have already seen Josh Dobbs do on, in this offense, on this team with these players, there's no reason Kyler can't do exactly that. Yeah, for sure. So any, any thoughts on the dice prospects? Uh, obviously the draft capital thing or the draft pick thing is probably the biggest indicator of his future but any other thoughts dynasty wise on him no i think his value is still kind of that low-end qb1 high-end qb2 you know maybe maybe in limbo there there's a lot of guys in one big category um and i wouldn't fault somebody for wanting to take a shot on kyler i still think uh his price is going to be relatively deflated all things considered especially at from where his peak was to now uh you're going to be getting him at a discount so if you can if you can pay you know, that, that QB 11 to QB 15 type price, uh, that's going to be a great deal for Kyler, in my opinion. All right, let's move on to the New York Jets. We had a three-game win streak for the Jets uh, against the Broncos, Eagles, and Giants. Granted, uh, the Giants game was not any sort of an offensive juggernaut performance from Zach Wilson, but the offensive performance against the Los Angeles Chargers, scoring only six points, having a 5.37 AYA, fumbling, Five times in the last two games, not being able to take care of the football. Zach Wilson, not that he was turning into Cinderella, but he certainly is back into a pumpkin now. He most definitely is a pumpkin, yeah. I I mean, the expectations started to kind of creep up a little bit when he started to play well. But the assumption was that... the, The problem is that the well was always, like, on a bell curve. It's like, he's playing well for, like... Not a bad quarterback. quarterback <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the assumption always was that if Rodgers was ready, he'd be back. 
Um, who knows if that's going to be this month, if that's going to be next month towards the end of the season. I would still think we will see some version of Aaron Rodgers just be, to, for him to prove a point, him go out there and then snap his Achilles yet again. Uh, I, it's hard to want to do anything with your Brees Halls and your Garrett Wilsons because they're such amazing players and they were such high-end prospects. And now they find themselves in kind of a crap situation. So I, I think I'm just holding, and I still think that the names are too valuable to be a, for them to be a real buy. Now, with that being said, I, I think Garrett Wilson is going to be more attainable than a Brees Hall will be, uh, at least in the short term. Once we see or hear you know, murmurs of Rodgers coming back, Garrett Wilson will instantly become un- unbuyable again. But I think right now you could get Garrett Wilson. I still think you have a really hard time getting any piece of Brees Hall. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things we, we, we talk about all the time when there's buy low opportunities. Garrett Wilson, it's not that he's a buy low right now. He's just a buy. Because I still think that you're probably paying, like, low-end wide receiver one dynasty yeah. prices for, for Garrett Wilson. It's just that if when we thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback, there was no chance you were selling Garrett Wilson for low-end wide receiver one price, even though that's where he was being valued. You're like, oh, I'll just take two firsts for Garrett Wilson. No, that wasn't going to happen. Like, you were wanting two and a half to three firsts for Garrett Wilson during the, you know, Aaron Rodgers era. Now there's some people that would snap at two first for Garrett Wilson. I'm not necessarily one of those people unless it's like, you know, too early to mid first. But yeah, I'm definitely still fine buying them, but it's not with the concept of playing them or, you know, relying on them overly in 2023. It's still that I think that uh, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall are going to be top five RBs and wide receivers for the next five plus years, assuming that they don't have to deal with Zach Wilson for five years. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine if it's if it's not Rodgers, it will be literally anyone else but Zach Wilson. I think I think the uh, you know the the attempt at making him something is officially over. Desmond Ritter, come on down. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's go to the biggest scoring performance of the weekend. The the, the one that is causing people to shake up their dynasty rankings. We have the rookie quarterback of the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud, had a huge performance, game-winning drive against against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and in the process is making, uh, whether it's Tank Dell himself or if it's C.J. Stroud, making Tank Dell look like Devontae Adams. Well, I think it's a combination of the two things. I think C.J. Stroud is, dare I say, elite. You wrote it. I said it. Uh, I think he is approaching that true tier. Uh, now, maybe we missed on C.J. Stroud, or, or you know, maybe it was the Ohio State bit, uh, but his profile was as strong as anyone's, and it's working. I, I think we put too much into Houston being horrendous than the potential that C.J. Stroud was good or great. Tank Dell is another one that, Everyone seemed to like, but no one really valued highly. And his usage was kind of a little bit here and there to start, and then he started to get more consistent, and then you see him explode. This offense, these weapons have all been doing this all year. It's just kind of whose turn it's been. And this week was the first one where it was like everybody's turn, but you also see the massive output from C.J. Stroud, all the receivers and the tight ends getting involved. Uh, It's going to be crazy to say, Nathan, I officially have C.J. Stroud as the first quarterback in the second tier. He is closer to Mahomes than Trevor Lawrence is to C.J. Stroud. Okay, hold on. So what's the second tier? We've been doing this with quarterback rankings the last couple of weeks, but I'll, I'll go with mine, then we'll do yours. 
I'm going to say the player's name, and if I say yes, that means I'll pref- I prefer Stroud. Uh, Mahomes, no. Allen, no. Hurts, no. Herbert, no. Lamar, no. Burrow, no. And then, so QB7 is realistically, I think, the ceiling for now. I think that his ceiling by the end of the season could be below Hurts. And that puts him, I guess, where you said at the top of that second tier, whether you have Hurts at the top of the second tier or the bottom of the first tier or bottom of the, you know, first tier. I said with quotation marks on a, on a verbal podcast. But yeah, so now I guess we'll do the exercise with you. So I have him QB seven right now above Anthony Richardson, Tua and Trevor Lawrence. Um, where do you have CJ Stroud? So I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to say names. You say yes or no. Would you take uh, CJ Stroud over them? Mahomes. Mahomes. Allen. Allen. Hurts. Hurts. Herbert. Stroud. Yeah, so you have him where I have, like, his ceiling for the 2023 season, and I have him just at more of a conservative play below Burrow and, and Herbert. Yeah, I think I think this is one of those where he has just been so good, and it a lot of times we see so good, but there's a lot of luck involved or – uh, coaching and this and that and the other thing. This to me is just full CJ Stroud. This is him because that Texans team isn't that good and he is elevating a lot of these players. Now, Dalton Schultz, who we know is a great tight end, finally, you know, really has that big game as well, but he's been pretty solid. Tank Dell, who we didn't know because he was a rookie, comes in, has been solid. Noah Brown, Nico Collins, like th- these are not your top tier guys now the running game has been abysmal but that's because they have bad running backs this this to me is the the very very beginning of what is going to be a great career and I don't have him priced at his ceiling in my opinion I think this time next year he very well can be within that top that number one tier and I I hate to say it but unless something changes in KC I will have him over Mahomes relatively soon that is an aggressive take um but i I do think that has to that take has to be paired with like a continued emergence of nico collins and and tanked out which can certainly happen Mm -hmm. i just don't have those guys at like the level of like elevates elite quarterback type play yet i have them as like plays along with elite quarterback type play um so that's my difference with you know the weapons around Stroud. And the crazy thing is that Mahomes just hasn't really had weapons outside of, you know, Kelsey and, and Hill. And that's probably part of your concern. Although Rishi Rice has had, had a, a very solid rookie season so far. Where do you have Tank Dell's value ceiling right now? Not in terms of like where it could be, but like basically what's the, the highest pick that you, that or the, I guess the lowest pick that you would sell for? Probably like a 108, 109. I, I still think he's, he's in that ballpark. Just because I want to see this consistently. I, I really like Tank Dell. I, I have many shares. I just, I want to see consistency. CJ Stroud has been consistently great. And the only, the, the other wide receivers have been, when they're on the field, consistently great. Uh, again, Tank Dell is a rookie. He, he's still getting a hold of it, but I think he has a firm grasp at this stage. I think we will see continued success out of Tank Dell, even though he profiles more as a two in an offense. And the other guys that are performing aren't necessarily true ones, even though they they have that profile a little bit. I want to see Houston bring in a big time one to work alongside with Tank Dell because 
a, a true one plus Tank Dell with C.J. Stroud is is going to be really, really hard to stop if this play continues from C.J. Stroud. All right, let's move on to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, you probably weren't expecting a Chicago Bears topic <laughs> here. The last two weeks of Tyson Bagent being at the helm. We have Cole Komet. Cole Komet is rising. Where, how far can Cole, I mean, we always talk about that the tight ends are so fluid that really after you get past the first tier, you really can put a guy anywhere. But with Cole Komet, he has two 23-plus point performances this this year. He has two 15-plus point performances this year. And he seems to be obviously excelling absence of absent of Justin Fields, as well as with Fields as well. So where are we at with Cole Komet here? Does he have like a tight end three type ceiling for you? Is this more of an aberration with a rookie quarterback over really relying on him? Is it a touchdown thing? Where are we at with Cole Komet at tight end, tight end five right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously the points are there. The the bad quarterback play usually leads to tight end success because bad quarterbacks like to, like we talked about it, they they like their blankie, they like their their binky, uh, their their safety blanket. So I, I don't necessarily think his ceiling is getting up into that like Andrews Hawkinson area, uh, even Laporta. I don't think he can even sniff Laporta at this stage. I, I do think that he's pretty close to your Dallas Goddard's. George Kittle because he's a little bit older. Uh, I would have him above, you know, your Evan Ingrams. I think he's right there with Dalton Kincaid, both 24 years old. So him doing this at 24, obviously Laporta doing what he's doing at 22 is potentially going to be some some all-time type numbers. Uh, but I do think that Komet is every bit of, you know, that, that low-end tight end one, maybe mid-tight end one. I just think right now his, his floor is still <coughs> – concerningly low, but his ceiling is probably like tight end four, five, six. Yeah, he does have three weeks below five PPR points, which is, you know, not ideal for you. But when you have a tight end that is, you know, in that tight end, like five to like 12 tier, like you're going to get the occasional two to three, four or five point game. And if you can get, you know, multiple 20 plus point games in the season, that's really all you need from the tight end position. So I, I still think that there's a little bit of, you know, touchdown reliance as is the case of all tight ends. But the the bigger concern dynasty wise with Komet is you want to see it with the quarterback that's going to be his quarterback. And we don't know who that is yet, whether it's going to be a rookie quarterback or Justin Fields or whoever else it's going to be. We want to see Cole Komet because he did sign that long-term extension with, with the Bears. He's going to be a Bear. So we want him to, you know, be a target of the Bears quarterback. Yeah, I think there's plenty of people that have him like mid tight end too. And that, that's just that's far too low. Um, he, he's got to be a, a fringe tight end one at, at the lowest, you know, maybe that, that 11, 12, 13 range. I just, I would be really hard pressed to not have him over the likes of, you know, your Evan Ingrams, your Darren Wallers, David and Joku. Uh, and those are going to be all the guys in that tier that he should be above and he should be with your Kincaids and your Goddards. Yep. I am in agreement with that. Now, before we get into the second half of the show, let's hear from our friends over at Game Time and BetterHelp. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp.com slash RotoViz. Get on your way to being your best self. And from our lovely friends at GameTime, make sure you download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code RotoViz, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, for $20 off of your very first purchase. All right, let's get into the second half of the show. We have three more topics to go throughout. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns, and more specifically the Cleveland Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson. I believe, statistically, probably had his best game as a Cleveland Brown. Uh, this past week, the question is, does that mean Deshaun Watson is back or does that mean he was playing the Arizona Cardinals, Dan? Uh, getting closer to his new, you know, kind of baseline, but also the Cardinals. I mean, it's obviously it's fun to see uh, getting some glimpses of, of the Deshaun Watson that was. I don't I don't know that it's it's you know, repeatable. Obviously he's going to have his big games because he still does have all of the talent, but that, that guy we've talked about it. I don't know how many times I, I just, I don't think that guy exists anymore. Uh, the, and, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing, but trying to get QB six to 10 type value out of Deshaun Watson just isn't going to happen anymore. I know that there was a point in time where, where he was, you know, a top three QB, and now we're probably looking at him in the 12 to 16-ish range. Um, it's one of those where would you rather have Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson type things. Unless Kyler Murray shows that his legs are completely gone over the next three, four, or five weeks. And even then you're like, oh, well, let's check out his legs in 2024. You're more more trusting of Kyler Murray coming back from his injury than you are Watson, his injury plus other stuff. But I don't know. Part of me is is – a weird optimist about Deshaun Watson that that things could turn around. But my concern in the short term for Deshaun Watson, why he might be a sell for the next three or four days is the offense. And granted, I'm not saying Geno Smith is any sort of top five quarterback, any, you know, at any stage, but they made Geno Smith look like Clayton Toon. <laughs> what are they going to do to Deshaun Watson? Who has been inconsistent. The Baltimore Ravens did made, uh, Geno Smith looked terrible. What are they going to do to Deshaun Watson? And that, honestly, that may, like I'm going through both sides here. If Deshaun Watson can have a solid game of 225 yards, two touchdowns type against the Ravens defense that has squished some teams, that could be a huge positive indicator for a turnaround for Watson. But statistically, it's much more likely that Watson gets pummeled and they score four points. Yeah, I don't really think there's ever like a make or break type game in, in, in the dynasty sphere, but this kind of, like you said, this kind of does feel like one because we see a good performance coming back and now you get an, a formidable opponent that, like you said, has made some halfway decent quarterbacks look 
really, really bad. So, I mean, if Deshaun can show up and and put up even respectable numbers, I think we're going to be on a good path and you can start to elevate him a little bit, whether it's just pure value or physical ranks. Uh, I, I think he has he has a really wide range of where he could go. It can get worse. It definitely can get worse because he still does carry a lot of value. But it certainly can get better because of what we've seen, because we know that there is some real ceiling there. All right, let's stay in the AFC North with the question, is Keaton Mitchell for real? Uh, nine rushes for 138 yards and one touchdown in his second game with a touch this season. Uh, I did just mention that the Baltimore Ravens destroyed the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I did. I saw a, a stat on Twitter, sorry, I don't have the person in front of me, um, that the Ravens' backfield was an even split 3-3-3 between Edwards, Mitchell, and whoever their other back is. Uh in the first half. And then the second half is where Mitchell got some more of his run. Uh, so does the garbage time mop up duty concern you as if you're a Keaton Mitchell optimist, or do you think this might be a breakout party for him? Well, I think it certainly earns him some more looks. I, I don't necessarily think he's, he's going to, you know, take Gus Edwards job, but also Gus Edwards is, I mean, he's a, he's good for Baltimore, but, in the big scheme of things, he's not really, he's nothing special. So if you see that glimpse of, of Mitchell and, and you think that maybe he can bring something that this game doesn't have, maybe he can be our jump starter to, to kind of go alongside with Gus Edwards. Boom. He can be that lightning, that flash in the pan. Uh, you know, he, he's a four three, like a mid four threes guy. So we know that the speed is there getting him in space is where he excels. So I think you'll see some, maybe some more design plays for him when they need to spell Gus Edwards. Um, but I do think it, it, it is one of those players that it needs to be designed for him rather than getting him out there and hoping he can make the play. He needs something built in front of him. I, I, I but he does have the explosiveness to take it to the house pretty much any given time, even as an undersized, you know, he's what, like five, seven, five, eight, and, you know, maybe like 185 pounds. So he'll probably get beat up, but you got to catch him first. Yeah, and then uh, just to circle back to the the crediting, it was John Daigle who posted the 33% split between Mitchell, Edwards, and Justice Hill, who's the other running back. How how could I forget Justice Hill has been a Raven for 18 (laughs) years? Um, But, yeah, I I lean towards, like, him not being the waiver wire wonder that many people are, are hoping or anticipating. Um, and him being more so, you know, a, a deeper play. Um, let's wrap up the show for today with a Rashad White ranking check-in. Um, I don't have the, like, exact analytics in front of me, but from someone who watches the Buccaneers, Rashad White has been one of the worst rushers <laughs> of the football in NFL history, while also being one of the best running backs in space in the NFL. So you got those two things. Like, he cannot run the football. But if you get him in space, no one can tackle him. So what are your thoughts on the dynasty ranking of Rashad White? Is he closer to RB1 or RB3? Uh, Not not overall, I'm talking about. No, 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 I I got you. I mean, definitely he he is an RB3. I I don't think you can even have him as a top 24 running back. Uh, I mean, that... I think I'm still taking like Najee Harris over him. I know, I know Najee's been horrible too, but 
I just, I don't see it with Rashad White. I get that he's fun and he makes these plays and whatever, but he's really not a running back. He's a gadget type guy. And like you said, get him in space. Sure. Great. But the Bucks have a real hard time of figuring out how to do that. It seems. And Rashad White cannot create for himself. So, uh, I, I mean, you maybe could justify having him as high as like 20 overall. Uh, you know, you'd probably be in the, in the same ballpark with like, your Isaiah Pacheco's, uh, who I also think is very bad, but he just never stops turning his legs. So, you know, it's kind of in that, that no man's land, like your James Cooks, your Isaiah Pacheco's, Rod White, uh, Damian Pierce is going to be behind that, but you know what I mean? The, the kind of the unknown, but known and like the, the dynasty darling types. That's Rashad White. Yeah. I mean, I just think that the RB2 tier, is so gross that I can easily find my way into ranking him as a top 15 running back. Like we have James Cook, Javante Williams, Damian Pierce, Kyron Williams, Zach Charbonnet, Isaiah Pacheco, Rashad White, Derrick Henry, David Montgomery. Like there, there's no one there that I'm like, that is like, I, I think Kyron is probably definitely above Rashad White uh, based on what we saw from him. But, you know, we never know coming back from the injury if he's going to get that volume again. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that, if if he is an RB2, it's more so just that the RB2 tier is gross right now. Um, but also the Bucks don't necessarily have the assets to commit. I mean, granted, this, isn't, this hasn't stopped them before, but they don't have the assets to commit to a top-end running back, either salary or, or draft pick-wise. Uh, but so it seems like he should be in the right position to, to, to maintain being the team's RB1. And, you know, get the passing volume of, you know, four catches, seven catches, six catches, three catches, three catches, three catches, three catches, five catches, two catches. He's getting the work in the passing game. It's one of those, like, hold your nose and start him because it doesn't feel good to start the guy who's going to have, like, two yards per carry. But if it's going to get points. Yeah, well, that's the big thing. Everybody plays PPR now. Passes are everything. That's where the majority of your points come from. So, yeah, I, I mean – you you can definitely lean on him that way. And like you said, the running back landscape right now is hideous. Uh, you've got like 10 that are worth having, a couple more that are like, okay, well, I have this guy. And then everything else is like, well, I don't know what I'm getting this week. Um, but I'm still taking the likes of like Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon. I probably even still consider Derrick Henry there. I, I know that Rajad gets the pass catches, and that's where we chase those points. I, I just – I don't think he's long for – for like a good job. I, I think he'll always be an RB two in an NFL offense and never a true one. But the Bucks don't have an RB one. Yeah, but how long can it last? Three years? Okay. <laughs> well sure, I mean that that's a long that's a long shelf life for a running back. But yeah, I I, I see what you I understand any sort of hesitance to, for valuing or rostering uh Rashad White highly. But I do think that what we he, what we've seen over the last few weeks, it's been like, oh, this is how he's going to score points. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we knew how he was going to score points. People right, were just very they, hopeful he could do it. The problem is, we knew we knew how he was going to score points, and they weren't using him enough in that right, position. right. But the the issue originally became that they tried to ground and pound him, which he cannot do, and the entire community thought, oh, this guy is going to be a, a bell cow. Well, he can't because he's only good at half of the aspect of being a running back. All righty, that should wrap us up for today. Uh, any last words, Dan? 
No, just a big thank you to our friends over at BetterHelp and Game Time. Make sure you check in with them, get your accounts, get signed up, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, hope we'll have a little bit longer show, maybe a full rundown, maybe uh, Risers Fallers. We'll talk about it next week. And the only thing we can do now is kadosh.